0: Welcome to another episode of the Chronically Healing Podcast with Jesse Fritz and Christina Sanguera. Yet another episode, yet another beautiful day. Mm -hmm. Jesse, I have some tea for you today, and it has nothing to do with the podcast, but it is super conversational, so yeah.
1: Good. I'm excited. I love tea, so let's
0: (laughs) go. What's up? Well, this tea is just (laughs) random. I was doing a walk before this intro, and all of a sudden I see two SWAT cars driving on the street with swat people <laughs> hanging on to them i don't know what they're called <laughs> hanging on to them ready to jump off right at least five or six squad cars they block off the whole street oh my gosh and they turn down a certain street and then block it off And it's the street that i was going to go down of course I'm like, i guess i'll just take another route this morning because i'm yeah. not trying to get you know in the crosshairs <laughs> of some freaking i don't even know what was happening yeah but i was giggling and yeah that was just my morning just someone's getting raided today i think i don't know oh my gosh yeah i'm not hip to why that would have so many people but obviously they deem there to be something
1: happening in
0: someone's house oh my gosh now i want to know what it is (laughs) i know (laughs) i've been refreshing the next door app obsessively and Mm -hmm. nothing's been mentioned so and i and i'm that kind of person which is bad i'm always I remember I remember when I saw a liquor store get broken into and I was I called 911 to let them know cuz I actually know the guy and I was felt bad for him. And I'm like I can totally chase him and like get you the license plate and they're like ma'am <laughs> please do not chase them. <laughs> like I I watch too many crime shows right I I think I think that I'm this freaking superhero yeah Yeah.
1: (laughs) you're like I can jump in I am ready to go tap me in
0: (laughs) and I'll never forget that she thought I was crazy so yeah anyway that was my morning how how's your life what's going on with you
1: Um, pretty good. I feel like it's been the, not to be boring and talk about the weather, but the weather here has been so interesting. Like I'm still newish to North Carolina and we had like a couple of 80 degree days and then it like drops to like 50 and the pollen is starting and the pollen in the South is unlike anything I have ever experienced. And I'm not even in the deep South. (laughs) So like, um, I think that has to do with these like headaches I've been getting, but yeah. Histamine. I see, yeah, Right. Yeah. And it's just been interesting. It's been so nice out because it gets so humid in the summer here. So you want to take advantage of like spring and fall because it's still warm, but it's not humid, but the spring you get like hit with pollen and it's murderous. <laughs> like it's so bad. So, um, so yeah, we, we've kind of been trying to figure out what to do with that and, And like you said, histamine and like try to figure out what's going on that it's triggering so much. I mean, I know pollen affects people like a lot of people and it's so strong here. So, um, but yeah, otherwise I feel like it's just been a normal week, like busy. I haven't, (laughs) we haven't done, you guys probably won't know difference except for the episode last week that Christina did by herself and we had to cancel the episode the previous week because I haven't had internet on Tuesdays <laughs> for two weeks, so I was just waiting for my internet to be down again today, and I was just like, I'm like, I can't, I just can't imagine what I would do without the internet, which is, like, scary, so, um, I mean, I can go and work from a Starbucks if I need to, but I can't really do the podcast <laughs> for Starbucks. So, anyway, I a little feel bit like a
0: little bit of background noise. Yeah.
1: I feel like I haven't been doing this in so long. I'm like, hopefully, I know what I'm doing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I also. So I have this, I have a different perspective when tech goes haywire. Sometimes I think it's a sign from the universe to slow the F down. Right. Because usually when my tech goes haywire, I happen to feel a little bit frenetic and all over the place energetically, and I desire to slow down, but I don't really think that I can. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's a good opportunity too. it's funny. I love and hate it when tech yeah. goes down because yeah. I love that I actually have an excuse to not get things done. I, mm-hmm. I, people are not going to be angry at me for dropping mm-hmm. the ball if they know that I don't have internet. Right. And I, it's nice to not have those expectations on my shoulders, even just for a day, Mm -hmm. because sometimes those expectations just feel like so much, Yeah, you know, there's there, I just, sometimes I just want to like curl up into a ball and just take a nap instead.
1: Yeah. Well, that was (laughs) the first Tuesday that I went out. I had to cancel a client call and I, we couldn't do the podcast. And um, I literally did not do anything all day. (laughs) Like I just laid on the couch. It was great. And I was like, I need to schedule one of these like hooky quote unquote days into my month, like once a month. Like, you know, on the weekends, I don't do anything crazy, but it's like a, there's something about a middle of the week day when you, especially, I mean, any type of job really, but like working for yourself, we're just like constantly doing stuff or thinking about stuff. And it was so great, like you said, to just have that um, time. And like, you know, nobody was mad at me, like you said, because I mean, I couldn't do anything. The internet was out in our entire neighborhood. So I couldn't even go to the coffee shop if I wanted to. But the second time it happened, I I was like, okay, this is weird. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like, I don't know if this is universal (laughs) or if this is just, you know, bad internet, but it works on this Tuesday. So we're good, I think.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm with you. I I also, I find, so this is, this made me think of a tangent, but lately I've been letting my boundaries slip when it comes to my phone Mm -hmm. and social media. So I I find myself checking my text messages all day or my email Mm -hmm. or social media. And I had gotten really good at spreading that out. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when they're just not working, I feel like it's nice because I I can't engage in this cyclical behavior of you know, you know that thing where you get on your phone, you tap that app and you go to that All app. Right. It's like this it's like this little circle. You gotta complete mm-hmm. the loop, kinda like on the on your watch. Yeah. You know, okay, I check email, I check Instagram, I check Facebook. So, yeah. So Yeah, and anyway, then I'm let's... like, why
1: am I on Facebook?
0: <laughs> yes, yes, and <laughs> then right I'm on? and I'm just like I'm just looking for my dopamine hit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho. Well, let's talk about our guest. I really mm-hmm. enjoyed this interview. I don't mm-hmm. I, I feel like is she the first therapist that's been on? That's a great question. I don't know.
1: I don't know. I truly don't know. Um, if, if she's not, we haven't had one in a really long time. Yeah. So yeah. her name's Alyssa Schneider and she was spectacular. She works out of Florida. Um, she is hoping to open up her practice at some point where she'll be able to work with people outside of Florida. But for now, She just works outside of Florida, but it was a really great conversation. She herself has dealt with chronic symptoms, which is what brought her to start her own practice outside of, you know, another practice so that she was able to do it remotely. So we really talked about that and like how that, um, affected her and why she decided to do that, which. I think I know that's a big reason I did this and kind of went into my own business was to be able to have the space to make space. So um, that was an interesting piece of what we talked about.
0: Yeah. I love the perspective of a mental health professional who prioritized their mental health mm-hmm. by walking away from the business model and pivoting mm-hmm. from the business model, i.e. in person. And we also talked about that, the energy exchange in person versus the energy exchange online. It is still an energy exchange, but for highly sensitive people and empathic type people, you it is less severe online mm-hmm. than in person. And I loved that. I love that reframe or just that validation, because sometimes I wonder if I'm just, am I just like a weenie who can't handle life, (laughs) right? Right? It's like, why do I, why do I get so drained after an hour? Mm -hmm. You know, I don't understand. I I don't understand. Well, now I do, now that I know about myself, but I used to just think I just can't handle life. Right. You know, there's just something wrong with me that I just can't handle life. So that was really affirming and validating. And I think it will be for our HSP listeners too. Mm -hmm. HSP has been a theme lately. I don't know. There must be someone out there in our listenership, probably a lot of people who really Mm -hmm. need to hear this message. And the universe is like, hey, hey, here you go. (laughs) There's like five episodes (laughs) in a row (laughs) where we bring up HSP. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, I
1: think that it's like much more of a thing than people even recognize. And like, I know we, I don't remember if it was on Alyssa's. What's funny is Alyssa. I had another Alyssa on the podcast who's spelled the same, who is an HSP, like- um, That's right, yes. Yeah, so it's it's interesting that that we kind of both, both Alyssa's touched on it, but it was just really nice to talk to a therapist about Mm. mental health. I think that it's something that we bring up on a lot of podcasts and we both have been very open about our mental health journeys, both good and bad, and like what we think about therapy. So it was just really nice to- hear from her because I felt like she, when we would start talking about something, she would just like be able to grab something from it and give us like a good nugget. And I really appreciated that. And I think that just comes from someone that's trained and like has so much experience talking to people in mental health. So, uh, I really enjoyed that as someone that had like a really tough mental health year last year. Um, it was just really nice to, to talk about that.
0: hundred percent. And I know that one of our big, I, I, we should probably do core values at some point. Right. But I, I know just even thinking it, that one of our core values is definitely, I guess you could say like ending the stigma, whatever that mm-hmm. would sound like in a core values framework. And just let's normalize things that don't feel normal. Let's normalize things that aren't usually talked about in the open in a way that we can actually embrace it versus feeling shame. And I love that we we were able to do that too with another episode. We did that in most episodes, but mm-hmm. this one in particular, when we just touched on a lot of topics that I think a lot of people are feeling, but they don't know if it's normal and mm-hmm. they don't know who they can talk to because they don't know who they can trust. You know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And we talked, like you said, we talked about that a little bit and how like, it seems like the stigma is of mental health and therapy and stuff is, is going away, particularly with our generation. And then Gen Z is like hitting it hard with Mm -hmm. how good it is, Mm -hmm. but it's still there for a lot of people, especially, you know, where I grew up in like rural Wisconsin, like, it's still not a normal thing to Mm -hmm. just like go to therapy Mm -hmm. unless you quote unquote need it. And if Mm -hmm. you need it, that makes you, you know, whatever that makes you. So I think that it was just interesting to talk about. And I'm glad that the stigma is like kind of fading, but it's still there. So that's why I, I, we love talking about stuff that, that makes people uncomfortable (laughs) because it doesn't make us uncomfortable for the most part. And if it does, I think we're both like, Ooh, interesting. Why does this make me uncomfortable? So, so yeah, I really, I really like talking more about this kind of stuff with, with everybody listening out there.
0: Yes. Lean in. You guys are going to love this episode for sure. Mm -hmm. Definitely lots of good nuggets.
1: Yeah. So make sure that you subscribe if you haven't already to the podcast, leave us a review. We actually just got like the sweetest review the other day. So I know you should go check out our, well, it might not be up on our stories anymore. Maybe we'll make like a little highlight of reviews or something. Yes. I love that. And
0: we could maybe, we're talking about doing a contest again. At some point too. Yeah. So that might be fun.
1: Yeah, that'd be good. But um, make sure you do all of that. And without further ado, let's jump into the episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Chronically Healing Podcast. My name is Jesse Fritz, and I'm here with Christina Sangara. We're so excited to be talking to you again this week with another episode. Today, we are welcoming <laughs> Alyssa Schneider. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're super excited to talk to you.
2: Yeah, thank you so much. I'm really excited to talk to you guys too. Yeah.
1: So we, why don't we jump right in? Why don't you just tell people a little bit about you, what you do and a little bit about your story.
2: Yeah. So I'm a licensed mental health counselor. Um, I'm in the state of Florida, so that's where I'm licensed. Um, I actually opened my private practice in 2018, first part-time and then transitioned to full-time. And, um, I was online actually before even, the whole COVID thing started. So a lot of counselors now are doing online work, but I was online um, from the beginning. And a lot of the reason for me doing that was because um, I struggle with chronic illness. And then um, I found it really hard to like find a counselor that worked um, with like my needs. And Mm -hmm. it was really hard um, when I was going through the height of my illnesses a few years ago it was really hard to find somebody, um, first of all. And then it was hard to um, go sit in an office, like drive to the office, um, you know, take care of like my needs, like eating and stuff after work, rushing, um, you know, sitting in traffic and then driving home after that. And, um, and so I was like, there has to be a better way to do this. <laughs> so I um, started an online practice
1: hmm That's like, yeah. that's that like spoon theory that everybody hears about in the chronic illness space is like so many people, I think with, we've talked about this in the podcast before with like COVID, a lot of us have gotten the opportunity to work from home that weren't able to before. And yeah. it's like this spoon theory of like, I can do my work, but if I have to do my work, come into the office and deal with politics, I have to take a train to get there and home. I have to prep all my food before I've ran out of all of my energy before I even get to the office. So, and it's like a, it's a hard theory to get people who don't deal with chronic conditions to kind of wrap their head around. Um, right. And it, I just feel like it can be, it can be a lot.
0: Right.
2: Yep. And then, um, you know, with um, talking about like balance in your life Mm -hmm. too, like then all you're really supporting is maybe like your work. Mm -hmm. And so you're working and then you have the spoons for that. And then how else are you supporting the kind of life that you want to live? Like how else are you living um, like a values-driven life if you are just working and then you're exhausted and then you're going home and like sitting on the couch because you've just like worn yourself um, the you know, the end of the rope.
0: Right. I want to unpack that a little bit because you know how passionate I am, Jesse, about this whole topic. I own a brick and mortar fitness and wellness studio. And then I also have an online coaching practice. And cool. what I have found throughout the years is that my passion for the brick and mortar has waned a little bit. I think because of the energy required being that I'm an empath, being that I'm an HSP there's so much energy required to show up physically every day. Mm-hmm. Although I yeah. will say I really enjoy showing up for my clients that I get to see. It's more the just everyone right mm-hmm. If there's like a class of 10 plus people, what I have found has been really helpful is finding rock stars that I really believe in and trust who can kind of run the ship for me so I can just focus on the things that don't drain me Mm -hmm. and then also grow this online coaching portion of things. But it's interesting because aren't we told, especially when we're self-employed, that we have to be passionate about certain things, we have to do things a certain way. And just like in the corporate world, if you think about it, certain ideologies get passed around in the entrepreneurial space. And what I'm finding is also entrepreneurship looks different for everyone, just like Mm -hmm. nine to five does. Mm -hmm. There's some entrepreneurs that really thrive working in a brick and mortar. They love it. They show up every day. Mm -hmm. They're good to go from 6 a.m. until whenever. And then there's me, who is definitely a snowflake in that sense, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I need time to recharge. And I, I can't necessarily show up in that way every day. So I thought that was interesting. We have these these ideologies that we always think of in the corporate culture but they very much so exist also in the entrepreneurial space how many times have we heard i left my 40-hour job so i could work 80 hours right (laughs) (laughs) you know as if that's a badge of honor so I, i think you just bring up such a good point alyssa in that when we own a business we are not required because we're self-employed to work ourselves into the ground that is not Mm -hmm. a requirement of self-employment yes we have hustle seasons but even within that hustle we can find breaks and pauses to tend to our needs and i wanted to pull that out because i know there's probably people with chronic illness listening who maybe have wanted to even start a side hustle Mm -hmm. but it feels impossible because we're always fed the narrative of hustle Mm -hmm. and we're never fed the narrative of intention and slowing down, and listening to our bodies, you know?
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. Um, I love how you said intention. Um, that to me is like a huge word um, that I use with a lot of my clients, that intentionality. I think sometimes we're just in like autopilot, and we don't really consider the, our intentions behind what we're doing, and we just do something. We just work that 60-hour week or whatever it is, Um and we don't really we don't really think about it and i think it's so important to understand our why's behind what we're doing and um and really getting in touch with like how we can support our values i think mm. is really important too speaking my language um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh yeah i just i love that like how is how is our business or how is our work supporting what we value And I think we also need a balance among our values, too, because if we're just working and we don't have much balance in other areas of our life, then I think that that is just a recipe for burnout and and stress, too. Um, But, yeah, I can identify with the HSP thing because I think I'm definitely HSP. Jesse and I were talking a little bit um, before the podcast started about that. And um, that's definitely part of it, too, I think, for me, the attraction to online work. It's, um, I think it's, it, you, there's just different needs. I think when you're working online and there's different challenges, but definitely in like brick and mortar, taking up on everybody's energy so Mm -hmm. much more, I think. Yes. And, um, when working with clients that are, you know, emotional when they come in and just, um, that's really hard sometimes. And especially for someone who's really sensitive.
0: Yes. And you mentioned values. And I want to pull that out too because (laughs) I started doing this thing with clients when they start working with me. So let me also say I help clients with weight loss and things like that, which I've started to get away from because we are so much more than our desire to be smaller, but I still do work with clients and I'm, it's fine. Like if you have a weight loss goal, great. But now we work more on the the meat underneath that, if you will. But I want to say that when I have someone make a why list Mm regardless of their goal it is so much more powerful because i call that their anchor and i always tell them if your why is only that you want to look quote unquote good in a bikini on the beach you will probably choose pizza (laughs) over that like 90 percent of the time because Mm -hmm. that's just not a strong why Mm -hmm. it's just it's it's very surface level it's very fluff but if one of your whys for getting healthy is that you don't want to develop type 2 diabetes like the rest of your family, that's a bigger why. Mm-hmm. And that's so much deeper than how you look. Mm-hmm. And I always I always try to explain that's that's why we do the why exercise. For me, mm-hmm. I have – I know everyone on here who we've all got – you've had Hashimoto's too, Alyssa, right?
2: I don't, but my, um, I have family members who have Hashimoto's. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. really I thought familiar you it. with it. So, yeah. <laughs> no, but basically I have- Yeah, I was gonna say I have other chronic illnesses, which we'll
0: dive into for sure. But yeah, (laughs) I, I feel like when we have a chronic illness, our whys are kind of naturally bigger because we've suffered a lot to get to a place of stability. But maybe for someone who doesn't have chronic illness, it might be harder to reach that why but it's still possible. So I think the wireless is super helpful, and I think core values too. Mm-hmm. When I listed out my core values and then saw how much I wasn't living in alignment with them, both in my personal and professional life, that was mind-boggling. And it made so much sense why my energy felt so crazy and mm-hmm. all over the place and frustrating because I really struggled to just hone in on what actually mattered. So I really like that you take the approach of the whys and the core values. That's, that's been a game changer. And I heard it for so many years. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think I got desensitized just like we do to things that we hear all the time. So mm-hmm. yeah, just wanted to mention that core values and why lists are really helpful.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that. And, um, to add to that, um, one of the areas that I've um, helped people with is eating disorders. Ah. And so, um, you were talking about weight and like getting away from focusing on that. And I think that's really important. Um, I always challenge my clients to think about how their weight actually impacts their life. If like they talk about weight and how important that is to them and they want to change their weight. And there's this obsession with their body. And it's like, how does that actually, like, how does that impact your life? Um, now, uh, with like the type two diabetes thing, like um yeah it does seem deeper than like focusing just on like changing your weight right and you can want to change could,
0: your weight but you but we have to have a bigger why than that because right. you'll always yeah. keep going back to the habits you're trying to change <clears throat> if your mm-hmm. why is too surfacey.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah yeah and um having uh chronic illness like that can impact your ability to um live out your life in the way that you want it to so yeah i feel like that is deeper um But I think also, like, maybe it could be even deeper than the type 2 diabetes, too, when Mm -hmm. you're talking about, like, your values. Um, For me, my faith is something that's important to me. I'm Mm -hmm. Christian. Mm -hmm. And so lately, I've been trying to root myself in my faith Mm -hmm. and, um, like, really trying to um, impact others in a positive way and be kind to others and um, love on other people for the purpose of – like really an act of worship, mm-hmm. um, for me to God. And so, um, like that can be an ultimate, like core root uh, value for me. Um, so I really like to help people to identify that like stable, um, foundation that they can stand on that, that stable anchor. Mm-hmm. And I say too, um, uh, one thing that kind of, uh, an analogy that comes up for me, um, a picture of it is like, Um, I think there's kind of these different wells that we have in our life and like some are really deep wells. So we only have to visit them, you know, every so often and we're kind of quenched, our thirst is quenched. Um, but like focusing on something like appearance purely, um, for like appearance sake or trying to gain love from other people through your appearance is kind of like a salty well, you Mm -hmm. know, it's, it's very shallow, it's salty, like you're always going to be going back and it's never going to be good enough. Mm So, um, yeah, I try to help people to find those like deeper wells that they can really connect with and rely on. Mm -hmm. I like that.
1: Yeah, I like that too. And I think too, just because I've been, I've been in the both sides of that, like the disordered eating, wanting to lose weight, not knowing how to live my life, not losing weight kind of thing. It can be really hard to, you know, I think so many people tell us like, oh, just don't focus on your weight. Like, it's not a big deal. Don't focus on your appearance. And it's like, Mm
0: -hmm. okay.
1: So like, I've been told though, by the media, by family, by whatever, myself for 34 years or uh, whatever, however long, that I should pay attention to that. So it's hard to kind of, um, like what you're saying with the wells kind of makes sense. It's like, and what Christina was saying as well, for me, until I started to like, grasp on to a bigger reason which for me is like I want to feel healthy as a person no matter what my weight is I want to be a mom someday and be healthy enough to be a mom and not be a mom that is sick all the time like my mom Mm -hmm. was and things like that so like kind of holding on to those deeper things the weight is still important to me it's still i still notice it come up all the time i still notice when my pants feel tight that i get very triggered by that and i think that um there it's still difficult to get to that place and that's why working with someone can be really helpful because while maybe we don't want to be stuck in that like shallow well it's hard to get out of it sometimes
0: <laughs> for how shallow mm-hmm. it is, you know i yeah. think it's also yeah. that way because of the people and the culture around us that tells us that this is what beauty looks like. And if you're not this, then you're outside of the norm. Right. And I'm like you, I I have a, I can't say postpartum anymore because my kid is four. (laughs) So now I'm just calling it COVID. I I really legitimately gained probably 10 pounds. I gained 20, but 10 of it was muscle. I have a machine that tells me. (laughs) So 10 solid pounds, right? So I'm actively wanting to lose it. And like you, Jesse, I have that cognitive dissonance around not wanting to be surface, not wanting to give into that narrative of look good in the bikini on the beach, (laughs) um, you know, and also not wanting to have disordered eating where I never enjoy myself and never have anything. And what I find myself doing like you is focusing more on the big picture. And to me, it's the cherry on top. Could be the fact that the weight loss happened, and I grew as a person. Because I will tell you, I did the restriction. I did Weight Watchers actually years, years ago. And at one point, I came to meetings, and they were like, "Why are you here?" I, mm. I was, I was emaciated at that point. It became an eating disorder, and I, I was a size four, Jesse, to give you reference. Like knowing me now, could you imagine? I was uh, 60 pounds lighter than I am right now. And you're tall, right? And I'm tall. I'm Mm 5'10". So that's, that, that's like, it looks different 60 pounds from now.
1: Dude, we got to meet someday because it's going to be really funny. The pictures 5'10 and (laughs) 5'1. I
0: know (laughs) I'll have to like sink down. Um, but so I remember that time of my life and I did all the things and I really restricted myself and I got to this weight and I thought, okay, so what would happen is I'd get to, so my, my initial goal was 150. Mm -hmm. i got to 150 and i said this didn't feel like i thought it would well let's try for 145. so then i tried for 145 and i get to 145 and i say you know this didn't feel like i thought it would so let's try for 140. Mm -hmm. and the lowest i got was 135. and Never in that moment, because I had not worked on myself. I had not worked on my values. I hadn't worked on my whys, my deeper reasons. It was not a fulfilling journey. Mm
2: -hmm. I was
0: just a smaller version of a broken human who had never really done the the work to change and evolve and shift. So guess what happened? I gained that weight back so easily Mm -hmm. because I never fully changed in the first place. So that's why I think it can be really helpful to think of the weight as almost the celebration at the end of the work you're doing versus the only reason you're doing the work in the first place.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. I think that we're all ultimately seeking love Mm -hmm. and we want, um, we want love from others. And, and that is a huge driving factor when we're trying to change our appearance. And I think um, it's much like a mirage, you know, like you get there and then it's not enough and you get there and it's not enough. Um, And That's I think what we struggle with, too, is this feeling of not enoughness. And we're we're never going to be enough because Mm -hmm. think of all the expectations that we have on ourselves. Um, We have expectations from others in our lives. And then we have like cultural and worldly expectations, too. We're never going to hit that mark every time. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just impossible to do that. And so um, I think that is really something to that we have to think about and really consider is. Are we trying to be enough constantly, mm-hmm. and um, you know, and that is, I think that drives a lot of our behavior, mm-hmm. and it leads to a lot of hurt and and um, difficult emotions that we experience.
1: Yeah, yeah, that hits for me today particularly. But
2: yeah, tell I mean, us, I, spill I, the tea. I just
1: like I feel like the enough thing is such a is so hard. I think. For me, since starting my own business and my husband just started a new job and I've always kind of thrived on productivity, I like being the girl that can get everything done more than anybody else can get done. That's something that's always been, you know, a driving factor for me and in my own business it is hard because a lot of people depend on me and i get just like so overwhelmed and i just sit in this overwhelmedness of not feeling enough i'm like i'm not being fast enough i'm not doing this and or i'm not getting this done on time i'm not getting this done on time and like i'm not helping my husband in his first days of his job and i'm like and then i know chronic illness wise i'm like i'm not like even that, I'm like, I'm not being nice to myself enough. Like, you know, it's just like, you, you, it's like this constant kind of weight of just like, there's so much there. And it's like hard to move through that. And it really hits for me what you said about like, it's pretty much impossible for us to be enough sometimes when there's so many different things coming in. And even as like someone in my thirties, you know, I, I think that I'm done with like the people pleasing. I think that I'm done with caring about that, but then I have a day like today and I'm like, no, apparently I'm not (laughs) like, it's Mm -hmm. still there. And we still all kind of are striving for people to, for me, it's like, pat me on the back. Like, I love it when my clients are like, oh my gosh, you're the fastest. You're so like good at this. And I get like so much like worth from that. And I think that that is where it can be dangerous is where you're, you're looking to be enough for other people, for them to feed into your self-worth. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But
2: yeah. that's good. We're depending on our self-worth on other people. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
2: And Alyssa, mm-hmm. you, so
0: you mentioned that you have you have faith, and whether it's God, for some, it might be source or universe or whatever it is. I do think that having some sort of inward process, some sort of spirituality practice can be extremely helpful for not looking outside of us for mm-hmm. our validation. Mm-hmm. And I find that when I, so for me, it's God, you know, personally. And so I find that even with my husband, I will rely sometimes too much on him for mm-hmm. my validation and my happiness right. and I'll mm-hmm. almost look to him for that. If he is in a cranky mood, I'm in a cranky mood
1: mm-hmm.
0: versus can you just, you can just have your cranky mood. i want to go <laughs> on a walk <laughs> instead. I got to be there and be like, why are you in a cranky mood? No, can right? we dissect your cranky mood? <laughs> well, your cranky mood is ruining me and making me have a cranky mood. Right? <laughs> and when I feel most rooted in who I am as a person is when I'm not looking outside of myself, even mm-hmm. to the people that I love. And it feels really empowering because mm. there's nothing more exhausting than spending time trying to gain approval because even the people we love are going through their own stuff mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. have stuff they're going through their 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 own struggles their own internal battles so they're not always going to have what we need but whatever our spirituality practice is we know we will have what we need it always does like it always delivers right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's mm-hmm. just i wanted to point that out because I have struggled with looking to friends, family, mostly family, because I feel the most comfortable making them uncomfortable, which is itself something that we all do, I think, and need to work on. (laughs) But but I feel the most comfortable being my messy self with the people closest to me. And yeah, they just can't always give me exactly what I need, and that's okay. And Mm -hmm. I've learned to accept that, which is also really freeing. But Mm -hmm. I thought that was a really good point.
2: Yeah, I think it can be really humbling, too, to um, have chronic illness and then literally have most things stripped away, you know, it really gets down to like the roots and you can't be productive during those moments. So you're stuck. It's like butting up against a wall. Um, yeah. And I think it really can challenge you to, um, realize what's important and, um, you know, connect with your faith, for example, um, because literally, you know, sometimes that's all you
1: have. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you, we kind of mentioned this in the beginning a little bit, but could you just dive in for the people that are listening and tell us what chronic illnesses you've kind of dealt with on, on your end?
0: Can can I add a little thing to the end of that? I wanted to also understand a little bit, once you've talked about the chronic illnesses, how they impacted you owning a business and what led you to create those boundaries? Because I know I've struggled with that. So I'm almost getting my own little therapy session.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um okay, so with my illnesses, um I have been sick for the majority of my life. Um from the time I was young, like it started with um a lot of digestive issues and I had a lot of anxiety related to those digestive issues. You know, it was impacting like my ability to stay in classes and stuff mm-hmm. when I was in school at a young age and um So they first, uh, you know, found out that I was lactose intolerant, which a lot of people are lactose intolerant. That's usually not a big deal, except it was, like, so much more than that. (laughs) Um, And it went, like, undiagnosed for years and years and years, um, which is really common in the chronic illness community to have Mm -hmm. trouble getting that diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Um, But then it got really bad um, when I came to um, Florida. So I moved from Illinois to Florida in 2016 and 2016 to 17 was like the height of my illnesses. I had like so much, um, so many like viruses and stuff. Like if anyone was sick around me, I would get it. Um, like stomach digestive things, um, going on, um, like migraines, um, just so many symptoms like brain fog was a huge symptom for me. And, um, even like to the point where, There was confusion sometimes, like I would, I would feel confused and just totally not myself. Um, Rashes, uh, joint pain, a lot of symptoms, of course, go along with uh, autoimmunity. So um, eventually got diagnosed uh, with like lupus and two other uh, other autoimmune conditions. But recently, I've actually been doing really well health-wise, like thank God. Um, but, uh, in 2016, 17 was not doing well at all. And, um, so yeah, I got those diagnoses and then recently went to a new rheumatologist and some of those diagnoses are being called into question. So, you know, this is what we deal with with, uh, autoimmune condition. So, yeah. So that's a little bit about my story with my, uh, health. Um, but as far as like my impact the impacts that it has on my life, I was, um, like barely able to function. Um, like going shopping was really hard. Taking a shower was really hard, uh, in 2016, 17. Um, uh, I mean, it had such a great impact on my life. Um, especially my social life. I was on the, at the point where I was going to have to leave my job. Like I, I have no idea how I, worked as long as I did and has, as much as I did in the environment that I did. Um, so that was a big driving factor, I think, in um, starting my own business. And I love people starting businesses. I like, I just, um, am really passionate about small business, I guess. And um, I love to hear that other people are succeeding in their business. Um, but yeah, I, I think that was a huge driving factor in starting my business, starting my practice, because um i wanted more flexibility and i want to be able to work out of my home um it affords a lot of um a lot of positive positives for somebody who has dealt with health issues Mm -hmm.
0: so you wanted the flexibility to be able to take care of yourself i know It can be harder in the corporate world. And when I say corporate world, I think what I really mean is corporate world where you have to show up somewhere. Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. what I love about being able to work from home is that you can take a moment to breathe and there's not someone looking down at you asking why you took three minutes away from your desk. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. I was just talking about this. I'm in a mastermind and we talked about uh, stepping into our moxie and how we essentially stood up for a cause or ourselves in certain situations, and it brought me back to when I was a banker. The banking industry, just so the, for those who are listening, is really well known for not paying for time off or your breaks, you're really, there's this silent but not so silent pressure to not take your lunch. There would be many times when I would be on lunch and I was in sales, so you know when it's sales, all hands on deck at all times, even if you are mid-bite. And I was that person who usually would not come out or I would actually take my lunch. And that was really, really frowned upon. How dare Mm -hmm. you put your needs before the needs of others? I remember there was an executive who visited our branch and I took my whole lunch and he said, oh, you took your whole lunch? Almost like, well, what's wrong with you? (laughs) And I said to him, yeah, because if I don't take care of myself, I can't take care of my clients. If I'm burned out, How am I going to help other people? How am I going to drive profit for this company? Mm -hmm. And in my peak, I was the top salesperson. I was the top three in an entire, I guess you would say, market. Mm. I started to decline because I started to hate it. (laughs) (laughs) But that's neither here nor there. What I'm getting at is stepping into my moxie in that moment and really It has never left me, that moment, because it was such a reminder of why so many people are burned out. Why so many people, they hate their job or their life or whatever it is. And it's lack of boundaries. It's lack of time for themselves. And what's what sucks about it is oftentimes the people at the top don't have boundaries themselves. So they're just kind of letting that drip onto the people below them. And I love that when we work from home or work for ourselves, we do have that flexibility to take a break as needed reset. So I'm, I'm a champion for that for, for sure. hundred percent. And I I love that you recognized that it's like, you wanted to exist in this construct, but you also knew that you had to do it in a way that worked for you. Mm -hmm. You you Mm -hmm. couldn't do it showing up to an office and just kind of, you know, forcing your way into this box. And to me, that's, that's also part of chronic illness, right? We have to make tough decisions all the time. We have to oftentimes go against the grain. It's almost like what most people do. We have to do the opposite. Mm -hmm. And that's like a mental load on us in a lot of ways. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. Sometimes we have to do things that don't make sense necessarily to other people, like take that leap into business when it's like unknown and it's not secure Um, and leave this job security and leave this regular paycheck um, because there's a lot of other things to consider when you have a, a chronic illness.
0: Yeah, no, I love it.
2: I'm curious, what
0: are some things, I think this is a good segue into one of the questions that we did wanna ask you, because you're really inspirational. Clearly you've done the work to get to a place where you can still live a good life and you can still enjoy your life without feeling like you're taken over by these labels. So what are some of the ways that you are able to still live a really fulfilled and happy and meaningful life and still being, still having to manage the flares and the setbacks and the inevitable things that happen when we have chronic illness? I would love to hear some Mm -hmm. of the things that you, that you do.
2: Yeah. When I do have um, some symptoms that come up, um, usually I try to remind myself that it's something that's transient, like, it might not, it might not always be there. Like, I don't know the future of this symptom. Like, am I going to have joint pain the next day? I'm not totally sure. Um, but a lot of times the symptoms can be transient. There can be relief when it comes to the symptoms. Um, and so I really try to remind myself of that. And I also am trying to get better about not, um, like, necessarily, like, trying to fix it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that sometimes if we have a chronic illness, and I've definitely been there, where it's like, you have to fix it, you have to find out a solution. And I was listening to one of your episodes, um, I forget what one it was, but you're kind of talking about that. And like reading, even like with what you read, reading other things, and not just reading books that are like how to cure your chronic illness. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's really important. Um, just kind of letting it go sometimes, like recognizing that you don't have control in all circumstances and just kind of um, surrendering. And, and also um, letting yourself like feel emotions uh, during it I think is really important. Um, I think so often we try to just shove emotions away. We try to suppress them. Um, we try to get rid of them and find a solution. And, um, and it is scary. Some of the autoimmune symptoms, like it is anxiety provoking. Um, so I think just recognizing and labeling your emotions, that's something that I have been practicing, um, and just trying not to, um, uh, wallow in, in it, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That can be really hard. Sometimes I feel like, to get out of that space, but it's really helpful. And that kind of reminds me of one of the questions. So I feel like, I feel like, you know, mental health is its own beast. Right. But I do feel like in a good and a bad way, (laughs) but like, um, chronic illness and mental health can be very connected. I feel like sometimes one can lead to the other or vice versa. Meaning for me, um, a lot of the pressure I put on myself, a lot of like unresolved trauma, a lot of all of these things I believe is kind of what triggered some of my autoimmunity and then vice versa, right? There's people that get really sick and they get in this really low, low place, or they realize that they're, they're losing who they were, right? That's a hard thing that I feel like all of us have to go through is kind of uh, mourning that person that we aren't anymore um, or parts of that person that we aren't anymore. So I guess, My question with that is how do you think people who have chronic illness, who are noticing mentally, I'm not feeling my best and I don't really even know where to get started. What, what should people do if they, if they're feeling that way?
2: Yeah. So I definitely um, think that counseling can help. I'm sort of biased, but I think, (laughs) I think that um, getting counseling can really help. And um, I think a lot of it, um, with chronic illness is just like having that support system. And then also, um, like grieving, going through a grieving process, like you were kind of indicating. Um, I think that, uh, that's something that's necessary to kind of go through sometimes when you have a chronic illness, um, grieving, like who you used to be, um, the things that you used to be able to do or things that you might not ever be able to do because of your health. Um, so but yeah, I think that reaching out for help um, from a third party is really good. um, And can really help you to have more support. Um, And also, if you have any loved ones too that you can talk with, um, I think that is really, really key as well. Um, because like we talked about, you know, I think during the depths of it, um, it feels like you have nothing. Mm -hmm. I mean, it feels like, um, sometimes you can't be productive. Sometimes you can't do what you normally would be able to do if you're having, um, really bad symptoms. And, and so it really gets down to like, what's important. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. We're, we're really big believers here on the podcast of therapy of counseling. I know like, Mm -hmm. um, I was listening to some of our older episodes, not even older, just from like last year of like the amount of times right before I found my I'm working with a therapist who kind of specializes in somatic therapy. Um, And (laughs) the amount of episodes, remember, Christina, where it was like, every episode, someone would say something that was like another ping of like, you need to go to therapy. <laughs> like you need, you know, it was a little just nudge. Like, yeah. Little nudges from the universe, God, whomever, but like it was, um, and it, I've been in and out of therapy or coaching of some sort for years and it's, it's really helpful. And I didn't initially go into it for chronic illness, but I think because chronic illness is such a big part of my life, it's wrapped up in that. And, and like I said, and vice versa, I think that there are a lot of symptoms that I'm still feeling because of emotions that I just haven't moved through or things like that. And, and they really are so, so connected, your mental and your physical health. And I think that the world is like being opened up to that more and more and more and more. And I'm really excited about that because it's less taboo to go. I mean, I like My parents would not go to a therapist. There's no way they would go, you know. And so but now I feel like I I openly talk about therapy. I'm like, yeah, I'm in therapy. We were in couples therapy. Like it was great. It was perfect for us. And I think that like that taboo feeling is going away, especially for like our generation, younger
0: generations, things like that. Well, and Mm -hmm. we also have to acknowledge why it was taboo. It was taboo because we've been conditioned to believe that it's not okay to not be okay, Right. And mm-hmm. when we're not okay, then something must just be wrong, and we have to deal with it internally mm-hmm. and come out when we're done. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, I'm healed. Yeah.
1: Right. Well, and your mental. Yeah. Well, and your mental health mm-hmm. can also be, um, what's the word when you're doing something before it's bad? <laughs> like, what am I trying oh, to say? Not like precautionary, but you pre-emptive? know, preemptive. I mean? Yes. Like, just like you go to a doctor for a checkup, or you're seeing a personal trainer to keep up your physical muscles and your physical body, or you're seeing a nutritionist to keep up the, you know, the good diet in your life. I like that analogy. I've just seen that. Yeah. For me with, with mental health, like. I would, I would love to be in therapy forever. If, if it's something that I can afford because it is helpful. Sometimes it's just nice, especially as someone that works from home. I live in a new city. I don't really know anyone. So if I'm not talking to my therapist, I'm bugging my husband and like, that's not great (laughs)
0: for our relationship. He's not a licensed therapist. Right.
1: And uh, a lot of times I don't want to listen to what he tells me anyway. So
0: (laughs) even if it's exactly what you need to hear, right. And it came from hubby, you need to hear it from a secondary source before you'll do it. And then my
1: therapist will tell me to do that. And he's like, I told you to do that a year ago. I'm like, I don't care. (laughs) No, you didn't. It's fine. So, um, (laughs) but yeah, it just, it can also be preemptive. It can be something that, that you're doing, to keep up your health, to feel good, to have that connection with someone. And it's not something you have to do weekly. Some people do it like monthly, I know, but I'm just, I'm a huge proponent of, I have words are not working with me today, but I'm just like a huge believer in therapy. I think that it can be really helpful whether you have chronic illness or not.
2: Mm Yeah, yeah, I think um, obviously therapy is really, can be really helpful and help people to reach their goals too and um one thing that I talk with my clients about is like identifying um some deeper reasons of even even being in therapy because a lot of times we just try to we're just trying to fix our emotions and we're just trying to feel less of something less anxious less depressed um
0: oh my gosh that's true yeah yeah. I like just take it's the, like, take the itch off, that band-aid. Mm-hmm. Just, I just want to make this a little bit better, but we don't think about that deeper underlying stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes. And what do you want to add to your life um, right. is really the thing that I want to focus on. Um, and even if it's not like different emotions, you know, again, how can you live in line with your values? How can you support um, like a meaningful life and, and live um, a life that you find to be valuable? Um, and the goal of therapy doesn't necessarily have to be to take something away, Mm -hmm. um, but it can be to, you know, to add more meaning and value and purpose. Um, so yeah, I like to help my clients focus on that too.
0: And by adding the meaning and the value and the purpose, we Mm -hmm. naturally start to chip away at the anxiety and the depression behind, I personally I hope I don't get heat for saying this because I always forget when you start having a platform, (laughs) you gotta be careful what you say because it lives on in perpetuity. (laughs) But I will say this because I do believe it. I don't know about you, Alyssa, but I've never come across anyone who's had anxiety or depression. And I say this as someone who myself has experienced these very clinically, but there's always something underlying it. And at least one box unchecked in the fulfillment category in the relationships and social, emotional connections. And so many of the people that I've encountered, they're just not living the life that they wanna be living. Mm -hmm. And I'm not blaming them at all, I'm just saying, when we start to come into alignment with our values and actually understand what we actually care about, Mm that could be the turning point for a lot of people who thought they were like a lost cause. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, Mm -hmm. how many people just feeling anxious and depressed and it just feels like that's it for them. I Mm -hmm. felt that way. I have felt before, like, that's just it. I'm just this way. This is how my brain works. And it's never going to get better. So I might as well accept it. And I can't underscore enough how life-changing it was when I actually started to understand what I value and how I was not living according to that. So there was this cognitive dissonance that was then leading to the depression and anxiety. And then when I started to step into what it is that I actually care about, it was like this zest for life
1: Mm. that I hadn't
0: seen in so long. It's it's like I emerged from this black hole or this cave. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's actually, that gives me hope when I hear that versus judgment it's like well no this is ho- there's hope here like you actually might be able to transcend what feels completely impossible and one of the it's, it's like the easy stuff it's always the easy stuff but it's not it doesn't feel easy mm-hmm. right it's like if we go back mm-hmm. to basics and the basics work and they've been around for mul- multiple decades because they they work and I was like that. I was resistant to it for the longest time. Like I said that earlier, my wireless, my core values, whatever. <laughs> but then when I actually did it, it was really interesting. An example is one of my core values is family, but I had started to work late nights until six thirty-seven p.m. I was missing dinner. I was on my phone on social media instead of really being present with my kid. And when I sat down to do my values exercise, and I was really anxious around that time. And we all know for me personally, I don't know other people, you guys feel like you get anxious and then you get depressed about your anxiety. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this weird back yeah. and forth. I, I imagine it on this spectrum, just like going back and forth. And when I actually realized that maybe part of my issue was just that I was doing these things that just weren't me. And then I started to be more present and I started to not work as late, which also helped in a lot of other areas. And I started to be there for dinner that felt really good. And mm that was just an example for me of how not living in alignment with my values was actually a big, 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 big cause of my mental health struggles. Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, along with that, um, I think that oftentimes we view our emotions as being a threat too. And that's probably not great for chronic illness. (laughs) And maybe that makes sense where like with chronic illness, like Bessie were saying how, um, you feel like some of your symptoms are related um, directly to your mental health. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, that kind of makes sense. Like if we, if we're viewing something as a threat our emotions as a threat, then that could be a trigger for actually having continued or worsened health issues for Mm -hmm. sure. And, and I think it can be powerful to view our emotions as being transient as well. I think um, sometimes we get stuck in the chronic anxiety or chronic depression because um, we're not viewing it as being transient. Like we're, we have to get rid of this right away. I and the more sense. that we focus on getting something away, the more that we try to shove it down, the more present it is. Like right. if I told you right now, don't think of a, a fluffy white puppy, like what pops <laughs> in your head? A fluffy, a fluffy white, white puppy. puppy. <laughs> yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So I think it's sort of the same thing with emotions. Our brain doesn't hear the knots it just hears, think of a puppy.
1: Right. Well, that's kind of like what you mentioned before. Um, Just like focusing, like, I feel like what you focus on, which we hear all the time, right. Is what actually comes up. And it's kind of this like um, abundance versus lack thing. Like when you're going to therapy to like, get rid of something, like I no longer want to be anxious. Like that really hits for me. Cause for me, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go to somatic therapy so that I can get all these emotions off my body. I can feel better and I can, you know, let go of this trauma that happened in my marriage and I can live like a happy, wonderful time. And then I'm not thinking about what I actually want that like what I want to who you become. want to become. Yeah. Or like what I want to get from that, like what, like how it could make me like a stronger person or how it could like create, you know, different boundaries, things like that. I'm thinking about like, I need to get rid of this anxiety so that my life will be better. It's kind of similar mm-hmm. to what we were talking about with weight, right? I need to get all this weight off so that my life will be better. And it's like, no, I'm sure if I like magically erase all of the anxiety, there's still going to be something there because I, you know, so it's just, that's, it's just a really interesting way to think
0: about it. I think. Mm -hmm. I heard a quote recently and I'm going to butcher it. So (laughs) apologies to whoever's quote, this was, (laughs) it said something like anxiety and depression can leave in the same way they arrived or something Mm. to that effect. So essentially Mm -hmm. they can exit just as much as they came into us. Mm -hmm. And we are not stuck with them. They are not something that we have to hold for the rest of our life. And to your point, Alyssa, I so agree. And Jesse too, about when we, when we focus on the fear, we focus on what we don't want. Then, like you said, universe doesn't hear the the not they just hear anxiety they hear depression they hear trauma they why am i saying they they (laughs) i don't know (laughs) but you know what i mean if we just think of energy yeah energy we know quantum physics tells us that energy is real we Mm -hmm. can give each other vibes and we can feel each other and so yeah if we are saying those words but and just attaching that lack I, that's, this is, this is great. I think this is a really good way to frame it because Mm -hmm. if we can step away from fear, we can step into curiosity Mm -hmm. curiosity and freedom. freedom. Mm -hmm. Those are some of my favorite ways to navigate the harder days. Sometimes, for example, if I'm just feeling down, I'll just get curious. Mm -hmm. I'll be like, okay, so I'm feeling kind of anxious or bitchy or whatever it might be. What what's happening? Okay, well maybe I didn't sleep well. Or maybe hubby's energy is off and I need to learn how to be able to disconnect from that. Or maybe my kid is screaming at me. (laughs) You know, there's plenty of triggers. (laughs) But when I get curious instead of, oh my gosh, I'm dealing with anxiety and I hate it and I'm like you know, yeah. That spiral can happen. So and I like and then curiosity leads to freedom. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. You're no longer tethered down by the fear of these feelings. Fear Mm -hmm. of our feelings leads to feeling stuck, leads to the cycle of never not being depressed and anxious and the other things that we might experience. And I think fear is so deeply rooted in us. We know this from a survival standpoint. It's what helped us survive. It's what helped us scan for the bear or the tiger and not be someone's lunch. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But we are safer than ever. And we are more fearful than ever, and mm-hmm. that is very fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. We live the safest life right now, you know. Those of us who are fortunate to obviously, if someone is unhoused, there's that's a whole different situation. Mm-hmm. That's a whole different conversation that we can do a podcast episode on one day because I'm very <laughs> passionate. But yes, generally speaking, if we are fortunate to, we are very safe. Mm-hmm. We live in these homes that have these fancy cameras and security, and da, 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 and yet we are more fearful than ever and i just find that so interesting Mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on that Alyssa? why do you think that is because i know you've seen a lot of people so i'm sure you have some insight into why is it that we live in this house of fear but yet we are so much more safe than we've ever been
2: Mm -hmm. yeah um i've heard it called uh this like phenomenon um that we have in our culture the comfort crisis Mm -hmm. um before and i think that's a really interesting thing. Um, I think that we do have like this, uh, crisis of trying to feel comfortable all the time Mm -hmm. in our culture. Um, and I think we view anxiety and depression. Um, I mean, this is kind of a whole nother conversation, but we pathologize a lot of things, Mm -hmm. um, that I think are normal, you know, um, there's like clinical diagnoses of anxiety disorders and depressive disorders, for example. Um, And you can meet clinical criteria for one of those things. But some people don't have don't meet the clinical criteria for diagnostic purposes. Um, but I think that we, I think that we pathologize a lot of like normal human experiences. And I think, um, like, ultimately, the um, diagnoses that you find in what we call the DSM. Um, is they're for uh, communicating with other professionals. Um, They are for communicating with your insurance company to get claims covered. Um, But they're not so good for like, if we're stamping ourselves with those labels. So I think we view fear as like a problem. And the more that we um, view anxiety and depression um, as a problem and the more that we try to The more energy that we try to spend getting rid of them um and the more that we try to seek this comfort and pleasure constantly in our lives that i think that um it becomes the white fluffy dog thing Mm. um that's all that we can focus on and it becomes like this huge issue and now it's becoming an actual diagnosis where it's chronic depression or chronic anxiety um because we're, we're trying to feel comfortable and we're always seeking that comfort. We're always seeking pleasure and trying to get away from pain. Um, so I think that that is a big thing when it comes to um, this, like increase in increase in anxiety or depression that we see um, and that we hear about in our culture. Comfort mm-hmm. crisis. That's a great way to frame it. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: That's, I'm just like, I have to like ruminate in that. (laughs) Like, it's so it's interesting to think about because I think that that's true. And I think that like, it's so easy to get caught in that spiral of fear or like for myself, I've noticed that. Um, where I used to have very situational anxiety, where I would get anxious about, you know, go, getting on a plane or like things that I, you know, but now in the last year or so, it's been much more chronic. And it's kind of something like you we were talking about before, like I'm focusing on it all the time. And I'm like, how do I get rid mm-hmm. of this? How do I not be anxious? Why am I anxious? Why do I feel anxious today? I'm mad about being an anxious person. Like, it's just like yeah. a constant thing. Um, so yeah, that's just, it's something that that I think is interesting to think through. But Mm -hmm. um, one question that we really love to ask people on here, and I want to make sure that we ask it of you is what are some things that you like to do every day that keep you feeling your best, whether it's for your chronic illness, mental health, whatever, just things that you like to do that
2: keep you feeling good. Yeah. I think that's something that keeps me in check. um, And therefore usually helps me to feel better is um like focusing on my faith and my spirituality um and like I'm I'm trying to be more conscious about how I start my day Mm. so like starting my day with something really positive and not like listening to the news or um sitting there and like ruminating and worrying about something like that's not a great way to start my day so I really like to focus on my faith um like read my Bible app or Mm -hmm. do something um, like read uh, devotion or something positive in the morning um, that I can really be focusing on and um, just trying to center myself and what really matters in this life.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Mm. I think that's A- important.
0: To yeah. That. I'm raising my <laughs> hands
2: to
0: the roof. And yeah. Alyssa, is mm-hmm. there anywhere that our listeners can connect with you online? I believe you're on Instagram. What are what are the best ways to reach you?
2: Yeah, so the best way is probably my website. So it's Alyssa Schneider M A com. Mm-hmm. So um hopefully. I don't have to spell that out probably because you'll probably, um, Snyder's yeah. pretty
0: common. Do you work in all <laughs> yeah. 50 States? Are you able to work with people from all over? What, what are your, what are the things that you can and can't do in terms of, um, location? Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah so I'm licensed in Florida, so I can't see people outside of the state of Florida, mm-hmm. um, but eventually I might, um, start doing some coaching or some courses. That's like mm-hmm. uh, a long-term goal of mine. So, um, Yeah, visiting my website would be a good way to um like keep in touch with that. Mm -hmm. Um and uh but yeah, I think um eventually I would like to work with people from different states as well. Yeah. And you could even
0: branch into maybe life coaching and Mm -hmm. almost a separate division of your practice that's not necessarily therapy and it's more focused on maybe people who want to start a business like you did and teaching them how you did it. So that'd be that'd be cool.
2: Yes, I would love that.
1: Yeah. Well, um, I'll make sure to link all of that in the, your website in our show notes and stuff. So people can find you easily, but, um, okay. is there anything else that that you want to leave the listeners with today that we might not have gotten to?
2: Um, I think just, um, something that's important is just focusing on your values and focusing on what really matters in life. And, you know, I think there's hope even, Um, In the midst of the anxiety, in the midst of depression, um, we're all human beings and we all feel that way sometimes, and you're not alone. And um, yeah, I really just want to leave people with that some hope. Yeah,
1: I love that. Thank you so much for being on today. We really appreciated talking with you, and I can't wait for everybody to hear from you.
0: Dang it, were you hearing me type right now? I was typing her quote. (laughs) <laughs> I was, I was typing the quote about the anxiety and depression because I liked it.
2: We <laughs> can keep that in there. Oh, Candid so is always much. good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks
0: for coming on.